the game rules respect my intelligence the game respects my time and then it respects my wallet so it's a it's a great one you can just have and, and feel good about collecting even if it's not your main game Welcome to another episode of Three Men in a War Game. I'm Paul, and I've learned you should always wear your helmet. Well done. Uh, I'm Kevin, and I do not sew, which is really to say I'm just lazy. <laughs> this is Potter, and uh, I think season eight is the best ever. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And I'm Chase from On the Table Gaming, and I do not kneel, you know, bad joints and all, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Chase sticks the landing. Uh, all right, guys. Yeah. Three Men in a War Game here for another Aftermath episode. We have Chase from On the Table Gaming, and we're going to be talking about a subject near and dear to his heart, which is A Song of Ice and Fire. Now, Chase, if you would like to formally introduce yourself and plug your podcast, please go ahead. Sure. I'm Chase from On the Table Gaming, and I run a podcast called On the Table Gaming. And we got a YouTube channel as well, and we are uh, we mostly focus on A Song of Ice and Fire, but we like to dabble in other things as well. And I'm really excited to be on this podcast because I'm a big fan and you guys each does a great job. So I'm excited to get to be here with you and to talk about maybe my favorite game of all time, Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game. Oh, well, now you're making us blush. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it helps, I am also a big fan of Chase's podcast. So yes. it's a lot of, there's a lot of bro love going on here. Yeah, uh, I, I, I was a huge fan when I started getting into a Song of Ice and Fire and I found your show. So big fan here as well. Well, I'll bill you for all the games you're making me buy. This is your stuff. So. You can uh, send it to Kevin. The invoice is coming. Yeah, all invoices come to me, I guess. I get the hate mail. Kevin gets the bills. So this is our this is our uh, ongoing podcast of some length. Uh, aftermath hype. We're basically talking about games we are excited to be playing coming out of the pandemic since, you know, we haven't been playing games for the last Checks Watch 13 months now. Um and again, we've as we mentioned today, we're going to be talking about Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, you know the questions, you know the guests. So, Paul and Chris, why don't you take it away for us? All right. So, we're sta- we're starting with our standard ten uh, minute elevator ride. Chase, give us give us the uh, elevator pitch. Break down Song of Ice and Fire. If you have a short amount of time while you're going up, as Chop says, the Willis Tower with your ten minute ride. Uh, how would you explain this game to somebody? Okay, deep breath in. <gasps> and, uh, and if I pass that halfway through, Kevin, you got to take over for me. So here we go. Uh, so, you know, imagine a world where you took the amazing theme of Game of Thrones and you combined it with the nostalgia of what might you recall being like old rank and flank games. But now you've got smart modern mechanics that are really welcoming to new war gamers while not sacrificing any depth. So you get that whole package there. So when you sit down to play A Song of Ice and Fire, the miniatures game, what's great about it is that there's three layers to it. Um, You've got the physical battlefield where you're going to be moving trays of miniatures. And so you're looking out of the battlefield and it has that epic feel. Provided you're not playing something like the Free Folk, you're going to see banners. You're going to see ranks of troops ready to go out there and fight. 
and the movement is really key in this game. So it might evoke something like uh, maybe if you're like an X-Wing or a Mata player, the importance of positioning and moving your troops. Um, where you place your trays and how you pivot and move them is really key to get your flank bonuses and get your charges off. But what's so cool about this game is that that's like one of, of three major layers with some you know smaller layers as well. So then the second layer you want to be thinking about is tactics cards. And you're going to have a faction tactics deck of 14 cards that really uh, capture the flavor of your particular faction like you know your free folk about uh, you know outnumbering swarming and, and and overwhelming your opponents uh, your lannisters about like kind of your subterfuge and and uh, counterplots and those elements and uh as you add a commander and you'll add in six more cards so you've got a deck of really of 20 cards that you can play at certain triggers to uh change the ebb and flow of the battle then there's a third layer and this is what really makes this game really unique because when you think about rank and flank you know you've got your trays smashing up against each other and you know sometimes that might not be super exciting right so you get the tactics cards that keeps it fresh but then there's this politics board this tactics board on the side which is really really cool and what it is is it's five zones that you can have non-combat characters claim to try and influence the battle and so they might be doing things like writing missives that are going to give your troops additional tactics cards they might be, uh, you know, using their wealth and influence to kind of restore wounds to a unit by recruiting new people. They might be using the power that they wield through the crown to intimidate their opponents. And so these kind of three core pillars mean that you've got a really fast, dynamic uh, war game that is, you know, you go, I go. But there's all these different things to be factoring in. And yet it's balanced to a way that it's never overwhelming uh, and very accessible. But there's lots to think about. So it's not just two trays sliding forward and like they hit each other. Okay, now you roll some dice. Now I roll some dice. Um, there's lots of other ways to influence it. And all the while, it's got that Game of Thrones theme where you're capturing uh, characters like Jamie Lannister on the battlefield being kind of dashing and heroic. Or you've got your you know Tyrion Lannister or Cersei Lannister moving around on the, on the politics board and uh, you know tricking your opponent, having them fall into traps. So there's just a lot of these cool elements that build out around this. Kevin, I'm jumping through a lot of things pretty fast, but what might be some other things that stood out to you for this game? Well, what I want to say is we should just like snippet that for you and let you just post that somewhere because that was probably the best two to three minute description I've ever heard of this game. <laughs> like Simon should just hire you. That was insane. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I was figuring we wouldn't even need chops to talk after that. <laughs> that was honestly. one. That was one breath. So just, <laughs> Ooh, man, <laughs> I was going a little fast. <laughs> breath control. Cray should be a rapper or something. No, no, no. That was crazy. <laughs> no, I think that was that. You you hit all of it right. That like three layer thing is like the the biggest part of this game to me. The fact that the game is taking place in three separate areas, and there are like there's like there's a uh, positioning to think about. Uh, B there are resources to manage, and also there is like this like. Uh, a little bit like worker placement thing off to the side where you're competing for a finite resource in those very valuable tactic zones. And the way that like every faction interacts with them uniquely, right? Like how your different NCUs, like even though they place on the tactic zones and all five of those tactic zones typically do the same thing, the people that you're actually placing there have their own effects that they will put over the top, right? So everybody has this like really great flavor. And man, it's just like it sets the game so far apart from anything else. And another thing that you mentioned that 
to me is critically important is that this is maybe the most thoroughly modern tabletop miniatures game out on the market right now. Like it has all of the know-how of like modern European board game design combined with all the lessons learned of tabletop miniatures games in the past. And I think it is one of, if not the best succinct rule set on the market right now. And I think maybe to just echo off of that first off, like really tip of the hat to Michael Chanel. I think he is a, a brilliant game designer. Mm. Maybe I might even go far to say it's like a little bit underappreciated. I think uh, if you that's guys have true. played Bloodborne, the board game, that's fantastic as well. Even Wrath of Kings. Like there's <laughs> right. like so there's so much you could say, right? To to Michael Chanel's credit. But this, I mean, he just nailed it here. And uh one of the cool things is I feel like this game uh brings some uh, really simple mechanics. The rule book's relatively small. And so most of the information is going to be coming from the cards you have in front of you where your unit stats are. And they have a free app called War Council where you can access all of that. It's not pay gated. And, you know, it's really simple mechanics. Your unit can do like six things it can maneuver, march, charge, attack, have a range attack, or retreat. And so it's pretty simple to jump in and figure out, okay, how am I going to move my pieces on the battlefield? But it really hits that sweet spot where there's enough layers with some of the condition tokens they have, your basic unit actions. And then once you have these basic pieces, you're, you're, you're really playing in like a kind of like a chess way where it's like very clear maneuvers that you can be doing. The other layers are what adds in that depth where now there's a lot more complexity and you're going to want to be coming back to this like over and over again. And it's a relatively small game far as like investment wise. So, you know, maybe we can get into that later about what's so great about maybe jumping in and getting started with it, but you might be moving um, five trays of units around. And so it's really thoughtful, really deliberate and just really, really fun. Another thing, like it, it's, it's a like rank and flank game that has skirmish sensibilities, right? Mm-hmm. It is a larger scale game, but like you said, five or six trays plus your what two to three NCUs. So really, you know, yep. you're, you're like six to eight uh, activations aside. Uh, so you're, it's really snappy too. your turns are quick and the games go fast. And it might be, you know, the getting more into the tax board uh, when you claim that zone as your activation, it may let you make another unit be able to move again or make another attack action. And so there might be times when you realize like, you know, my unit's right here and man, I've got to make a choice. Do I go with, trying to you know physically move something on the battlefield or do I want to use my NCU to to block a zone so my opponent can't like outmaneuver me or can't get a free hit on me uh, and so there's this constant choices and one of the things that I really really like is that having played a bit of games where it's like you know you take your whole turn and it's like a 15 minute 20 minute ordeal this game you know you go then I go but during your turn I'm waiting for certain triggers to happen so that I can play tactics cards uh, and so it keeps me engaged the whole time and, and listening and watching what you're doing. And the tactics cards are balanced in a way so that I know that some that might sound like a turnoff to some people where it's like, oh, well, you know, I, I carefully plan this thing out and then someone's going to play a card that, you know, counters that or lets them move further. But it's really balanced in a way that it's this that kind of minimizes a lot of those like feels bad moments. And you're constantly looking for like additional combos to make or combos to break of your opponent that you're watching out for. So it's just very... Uh, uh, excessively cerebral, I guess, maybe. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, I'm I'm glad that we had those uh, ten minutes in that tower, that Willis Tower, for you guys to do that. That was awesome. <laughs> that was literally you, you were you guys are doing Paul's and I's job for us. You're you're asking, you're bouncing off each other. I love it. I love I, the I excitement. Bad. I've got a little bit of practice. What I do is I like to go to conventions and I just wait in elevators and I just say, okay, dude, let me tell you, the doors closed. No, I mean, I, I mean, the, the thing is, is that like the the amount of passion and, and love that you guys have for the game is palpable, and that I, I that was awesome. I really liked it. I think really with what you guys did, you kind of asked answered our our next question about the appeal of the game with what you guys like so much. So I'm kind of kind of jump ahead and and ask uh, Chase, uh, you know, community. Are what kind of community do you think you have coming out of the pandemic? Are you going to have a group to play with? Are you going to have to rebuild if you had a group? Um, you know, what what's it looking like in your area? Yeah. So I mean. This was a rough year for us in our area. And so, you know, we haven't put miniatures on a table since last March. So, you know, I'm not even sure where things are going forward. We're all kind of showing our painting stuff, but uh, it's, it's really kind of speculation at this point. We're, we're taking it day by day. Fortunately, with this game, it's a pretty easy to, game to get people to play. And, and I'm going to say this in a complimentary way. This is also a great game to have as like a side game as well. Um, it's a low investment and, uh, it's kind of in that Goldilocks zone where you can build powerful lists, but really like anyone can win the game. So you're not necessarily chasing that like plastic miniature dragon where you gotta, like, you gotta have the newest next thing. Mm. Um, Unless you're Targaryens, then you're chasing a plastic. <laughs> then you're right there. You're, you're literally doing that then. Um, so I know a lot of people that are continuing to collect this and they might be, you know, more so a war machine player. Uh, this game is the one that seems to be very popular with that crowd. Uh, also, went to my Star Wars Legion guys, but so it's it's uh you know I'm looking forward to going back to the community. We'll see you know exactly where we land with it, um, but it's something that I know people are continuing to collect, and you know it's a, it's a minimal investment. You know, it's just it's this, the game design itself is uh, you know big thing about a song of ice fire is basically it's like respect. Like the game rules respect my intelligence, the game respects my time, and then it respects my wallet. So it's a it's a great one you can just have and and feel good about collecting, even if it's not your main game. Uh, or, you know, you can take how cheap it is and you can get all the factions and make it your game. Yeah. And, and I will I will I will attest to the the fact that it's a great side game and, and the, you buy as you need. Like I picked up Baratheon's uh, chops went up to Gen Con and picked up when they released the Baratheon's for me. I hadn't really touched anything since they released because it kind of went into pandemic mode. And mm -hmm. I'm just now starting to, you know, pick stuff back up. Like I've, I've got the, the Renly hero box model sitting right in front of me. Um, I, I finally found somebody that had some freaking berserkers for my Starks, uh, finally in stock. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I, I attest that like, it's easy to pick up. It's, it's easy to grab, uh, as your side game. And, and, and like you said, the price point is really good for it. As far as demoing the game for people, uh, what do you think the best way of, of approaching that is? So this is really controversial, and, and, uh, and I'm not going to say I do it the right way. And in fact, I know a lot of people disagree with me. Uh, it, it, first of all, it always depends on the level of skill your opponent has like, and how familiar they are with games. So what I found is that for this particular game, the, the miniatures are uh, pre-assembled. And so it makes it a lot more accessible to people who maybe don't play traditional war games. And so a lot of times I get people that are coming from a board game background or actually a lot of people coming from a card game background and they like the idea of the tactics cards layered on top of the miniature game. And so, uh, you know, trying to kind of size up what their experience is. And if they're relatively green, um, I'll start off by having them just move the units and we go over 
maneuvers and you know basic battlefield play and so they'll move their units up and then at the end of the turn when they've run out of physical units to activate i'll say okay well you know we also have these non-combat units and then we show them how they interact with the tactics board and then invariably at the end there's not that many at the end of your turn on the first turn there's not that much to necessarily do in the tactics board regarding like combat so invariably someone's going to take the draw two tactics cards well sewn and then i'll introduce tactics card and then we're at the end of the first turn and they've learned how to move their units they know how ncus work and they've got their tactics cards and have experienced the triggers so that when you're reading over them they're like oh yeah then you start turn two and it's like now we're ready to get into combat how you want to start using these things i know some people you know that may you wouldn't necessarily always play competitively activating your ncus at like the end of the round is the last thing but i find it really simple to like help them understand the basic concepts and so then once they know the building blocks now you can you know start turn two and get into the smashing stuff having fun with it you know that to some people i've i've, I've had people say that it felt kind of feels kind of like dumbing down or things like that but you know, I'm just trying to get the the vernacular out there so you know the terms of the game and so that we can run from there. Yeah, I don't think that's dumbing down. I think that's Mm-mm. showing the the chunks of it, right? Like you're you're building you're building that scaffolding so this way people get that idea of the game, right? Like like a demo is a demo, right? It's not a game, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you're trying like you're that, trying to show somebody everything that's in the layers to to show them what the game's about. Like you're not trying to show them how to competitively smash right. face. Right. Uh, undefeated in right. my demo games. I'll just be. That, that's just kidding. I'm not, okay. <laughs> like if you're undefeated in your demo games, you're doing demo games wrong. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wrong. So wrong. Um, yeah. That 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 like piece of foundational knowledge. That's really important, right? Like trying to determine what level of foundational knowledge a person has, because you know, I think a lot of us take for granted that most of us, you know, in this hobby, at least those of us, you know, in the hobby enough to make podcasts, have been <laughs> playing games for a long time, right? right? And we, it's it's like when you hand somebody that's older a video game and they've never played it and you're like, just jump on that thing's head. And they're like, why do you know to jump on its head, right? right? And right. it's because we played Mario when we were five and we just know that that's what you do. And not everybody has that. And, and really, Wargaming is a niche hobby that's just like, it's just coming out of being niche, right? It still is. And it's just starting to hit more mainstream appeal as like Games Workshop's reach expands further and further um and so catching people especially coming out of the board game hobby which is exploding mm-hmm. right now um it, i think that's a very very critical thing to do is evaluate that level of foundational knowledge and re- respect the knowledge that they have um, but then give them the pieces that they might not have one at a time so that they can put it together in a logical way i think that's actually a really good way to do demos especially with a brand new player right i i agree i think like i said i think scaffolding it like that is is a fantastic approach so and, and I think I think the other appealing thing here is you can really get people hooked on is the fact that if you don't like painting, yes. you don't have to paint these miniatures, right? Like you don't even have to build them. You just get them out of the box, put them on the table, and you play with them. And like right, like they're different color plastic, so right. you you mm-hmm. at least have that, right? Like like if you don't ever pick up a paintbrush, you can still play this game. And unless you're playing against the same unpainted faction. You're going to know which minis are yours and which are theirs. And I know they're, you know, the miniatures are amazing. And um, so they are approved by Dark Sword Miniatures. And then now, more recently, uh, Big Child Creatives are the ones that are sculpting them. And uh, they're just, they're, they look, you know, so fantastic for what they are, right? Single mold, 
you know, plastic miniatures. Um, and, you know, if you are someone who's really, um, I don't want to say maybe elitist, but if you're like, you feel like, you know, the miniature quality is like the end all be all of your gaming experience. And you kind of look at these, you know, they, they maybe don't hold up next to a, a games workshop, you know, you know, $200 sculpt thing. Um, but for what they are, they are fantastic. Like I would challenge you to find this type of mini miniature at this quality from like any other game system and cool mini or not like they have some experience making cool minis um and you know i would just say like right for people that are maybe critical of that like it's you got to look at these they're really good and um you know that accessibility piece like this is a game that is making more war gamers um, and you know, you got to give it credit for that, that people will jump in and they want to paint these and be like, you know, I can take that risk. And if you are someone who's really into the hobbying aspect, even though these miniatures are single mold, like there's still a lot of detail on them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you got this whole tray and people are doing fantastic stuff with scenic basing for this game. It's, you know, just amazing. The sort of things people are doing. Agreed. Yeah, there's, there's a whole lot to like about it. And, you know, a thing you guys have been coming around is that what we would call the Christmas morning test, you know, <laughs> the, the Steamforge games patented <laughs> Christmas morning test where this game like passes it in spades, right? Like um, we'll get into it in the next question a little more, but like it, it doesn't take anything for that accessibility barrier, right? You open a box and you're playing in like 15 minutes. Yeah. It's so fast. And I well, think that's a... Oh, go ahead, and I just think, and it's, you know, the theme actually really helps. Uh, Game of Thrones was really big. I know season eight was, uh, is disappointing too soft a word. <laughs> the best season ever. Just think how, how maybe disappointing that was. This is equally awesome. Like we're not equally awesome, but like how bad season eight was. This game is that much gooder, like better. It's, it's, a, it's <laughs> yeah. inverse. Uh, yeah. so yes. you, get, you get hyped about it. All right. So, so we, we talked about demoing and communities and stuff like that. So, you give a demo, somebody's like, this was really cool, gets excited about it. What do they need to be able to get into the game? This is where it gets kind of crazy, um, is you can buy a starter set and have a 30-point uh, a army. And depending on the faction, you could have like between like 30 to like 36, maybe 40 if you really stretch it like on a Targaryen starter set. But, you know, those starter sets are, uh, you know, between they're like about, about $100 and you might see them as low as $70 some places if you really shop around um, and you get, you know, uh, your tokens, your game modes, your rulers, your tactics board. You usually get, uh, you know, three to four units and then your NCUs. And honestly, for, you know, if you even you're paying full price, 100 bucks, you buy one more unit. And uh, you've got your your 40 points, which is the standard game mode. You can still play at 30. It's totally fine. But 40 is kind of the more traditional game mode that you play at. And what's really awesome about this is that um, besides all the different types of units, if you want to have a kind of a combined arms force where you've got your, you know, archers or your cavalry or infantry, you can also buy something called the Heroes Box. And if you've uh, played maybe uh, War Machine or Hordes, um, you can think about just how much the game changes when you switch up your caster or your warcaster. Um, in this case, your commanders, you can buy a hero box and that box might come with like five commanders that each have their own tactics cards that open up another style of play. And they can be used as attachments on the units, little add-ons that give abilities or as the actual commander, which give you the tactics cards. And so with one box purchase, um, you might open up five different styles of play with the army force that you have. And so this is a game that you could easily spend $150 and have, you know, 
all you want to have or, or like a good solid force. And even with all the new units coming out, like you can have a pretty solid list there that you can just have fun with. And so the danger is you can then, if you're playing this as your main game, you can be like, wow, I can get maybe all the factions. Uh, or if you're playing another game as your main game, and this is your side game, like you can spend a, a minimal investment and have things that you could paint, you don't have to paint, uh, and have a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and to echo that, you know, there's a new faction that's that's releasing uh, at the end of this month, early next month, right? The Greyjoys, uh, that I've been patiently <laughs> waiting for since the Kickstarter. Um, and just just as a to do this credit, because I, I just looked up the math, I, I spent 156 dollars um, on my Greyjoy purchase, and I'm going to get 82 models f- for r- right for my under under 200 dollars, and that 200 dollar representation uh, and, and those models, it is. It's a hero box and a starter box plus two unit boxes. And so the amount of variability that I'll have, like I won't need to make another purchase maybe until they release more units, right? Like it it will be everything that I need to play and to iterate on my lists. And if you think about other war games, there's nothing that even comes close to that on the market right now. And that goes back to the idea I was talking about before about like respect. Like I play this game. I have a great time playing it. It doesn't take too long to play. It doesn't cost too much. And, um, you know, I feel really good about it. I'm not making any of those purchases. Um, you know, I played a little bit of X-Wing and there were a few ships that I ended up tracking down because I really wanted like a single card. And, you know, I love that game. It was so much fun. And I, I did feel at times like, ah, you know, I feel like I'm, am I like a rube here? Like having to buy this thing? Like, am I getting taken advantage of in a weird way? Um, I, I don't have the kind of feel bad moments when I'm playing this game. The, uh, you're not having to like chase specific unit boxes to get, you know, essential items. That wasn't a diss on uh, an X-Men. I love that game too, but it's like a different, ex- <laughs> different experience. No, yeah, yeah no, sure. you're, you're right though. Having everything self-contained like that is, is important. Yeah, it really, it really is like a huge strong point of the game. I mean, outside of the fact that, again, like we talk about rock solid rules. But yeah, well, going back to the question, what does a person need to jump into the game? Really, a starter set and a hero box. Like, And as Chase noted, if you look hard enough, you can find, you know, that that purchase can be about 100 bucks. And all of a sudden, you've got a lot of different things to play with and experiment with and uh, get your feet wet and really start playing the game. And that investment like uh, saying a hundred dollars with options is like very rare like that doesn't happen in a lot of games at all period and uh for the uh stark and lannister starter set it's a combo set that one's a little bit more expensive it's like 120 something maybe a little bit more it depends on where you look i guess but uh that actually has starks and lannisters like a two-player set uh, and that's really yep. cool. And that kind of speaks to maybe the board game sensibilities a little bit there where, you know, all the tokens are included. You can just buy that and you're good to go. So that's a great entry point. You know, it's one of those things you can buy and you have enough for you and a friend to play or you're buying these other individual starter sets. One thing I do have to say in full disclosure. So um, one of the things that's great about this game is the support it's had from Simon's game designer, Michael Chanel and lead developer, Fabio Curry. Uh, they've done a fantastic job engaging with the community and also putting out additional supplemental uh, scenarios and, and really just keeping sure that the game is vibrant. Um, I do know that there have been some board gamers that have been hoping to have more of like a completed experience where you buy the game and it's good and done and that's it. And what Simon's doing, and for war gamers, this is maybe a little bit more expected, is every like 12 to 16 months, they have a cycle where they'll, they'll update some things. 
So some cards will change, for example. And they put the rules online for free, and they have this War Council app, which is a free app, which gives you all the unit cards in there and tactics cards. Uh, and what we're coming up on now is after, I guess it's been maybe three years now, they're doing their first big update in which they're going to provide a card pack, right? And that always, like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, is this a, you know, like a 2.0 sort of thing? It kind of evokes a fear. Um, the reason they're doing it is because up until this point, they have not updated or done any changes to the tactics cards. And this is going to be an update where the tactics cards will change. And those are such a fundamental part of the faction identity. It really kind of put them in a corner where I, uh, a faction that was designed in, you know, 2017 during the Kickstarter, those tactics cards were set in stone. They could change the units and tweak things. But they, they as long as they didn't touch the tactics cards, they were kind of stuck in a corner here. And so we are just coming up into this new 2021 updated version. So those tactics card packs are expected to be releasing somewhat soon, and they're going to go up on the app for free. Uh, but if you want to have the physical cards in your hand, there's going to be some sort of pack that you're going to buy. We don't really know the exact uh, value, sales value of that yet. But so that might be something you would pick up as well. But, you know, really, I think this is a selling point. I think it's really important that they do follow the game so closely and keep trying to make sure it's balanced and really... Um, uh, well thought out and uh, you know like I said some some of the board gamers and collectors they were kind of maybe sometimes I've heard voices being like what you know why would they update it like just keep it you know one way forever that's not really how war games work so that's not how they work yeah they've never worked that way I think it's such a good thing and I love that they're doing this yeah I think they're, they're they are very good caretakers of this game like in terms of like curating and making sure that the game is in a good state that I think that you shouldn't fear change. I think it's one of those things where a lot of change can be a little nerve wracking, but the guiding hand of the company that publishes the game, pushing the game along and, and steadily improving it proves that they care about right. the game uh, and that they will continue to support it. And I think you should be very optimistic, especially like I think, any rational person who's reading these updates and look a reading the rationale yep. behind yeah. the updates and then following the rationale through the actual mechanics. If you've played this game, every change they've made has been positive. So uh, it's definitely so it's, it, you should be looking at that with optimism. And that's like if you buy into the game now, you play with what you have now and you have a really good time with a great game and just expect that it's going to get better in yes, a couple months. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I, I've enjoyed it. Um, I had fun pre-pandemic doing our first tournament with it. And it, it just stinks that I haven't got to play more because the cards and the changes they're showing, I want it now and I want to play yes. now. Like, I, yeah. I'm, like <laughs> I, as a Baratheon player, my only negative is, is Stannis is getting too much uh, Where's Renly stuff. <laughs> fair enough, yeah, fair enough i can also i can also speak from like a privileged position where i'm about to get a whole faction full of stuff that just comes with the 2021 cards oh and that's fantastic because their their new release starting with the Greyjoys, their new release fa uh, way they do factions is that uh, what they used to do is they'd have the faction starter set come out and one unit and then like the next month they'd have another unit come out and then another unit come out and then the hero box now they're just dumping it where the faction comes out with the starter set it's like two extra units and the uh, the hero box all available at launch. So mm -hmm. if you want to play competitively, and if you are someone coming from a competitive wargaming background, you can you can jump in there and you have a lot more pieces to work with, and you can jump in and play with everybody else, no problem. Now you could do that before. You just would also include neutrals. There's a faction that lets you uh, you know take some mercenaries in your forces, and you'd use them to compensate. But now you could just play full straight out Greyjoys, 
right from the get go and be and be ready to rock. Yeah, and that's going to be what I'm going to do. Oh man, the, the, and the miniatures look so great. So I know this is audio only. So, but well, <laughs> yeah, they're very good. I'm very ex- I'm so excited. Yeah, I think I think that's actually a really good change because there's nothing worse than you know one one especially once a lot of the factions got uh, like fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for the Baratheons and, and Targaryens to only have what was in the initial box is is kind of frustrating. It was it was. I mean, they were still fun to play. But it did. I mean, it took a while for like the Rose Knights to come out. It took a while for, you know, the hero boxes to come out, you know, so and, and it's yeah, it's I, I I see why Simon does it, because, again, it's a release schedule. It keeps people wanting more. It keeps, you know, it's that, you know, carrot that you're dangling at the end. But when you release a new faction, having that warm and fuzzy of. I have all my toys. I can play competitively yeah. against my friends. I don't have to finagle and figure out how to make this starter box work for me to play full size games for the next few months. Like that's a better warm, fuzzy feeling from a customer experience standpoint. And it just, it, I think once again, just shows they really thought about like what makes the best experience and mm-hmm. let's do that. And, you know, I, I a lot of respect for that. Yeah. To, to use what I do at work, they came at it from the CX experience um, and, and they, they really looked at it from a customer's viewpoint. Um, and you know, it, I, I love it. You know, I do that every day at work. So when I see a game company do something with a game that I really enjoy playing so much, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go support it. I'm going to go buy the toys. And, and I think when those cards came out, what I was seeing with Greyjoys, even though I'll never play Greyjoys, you know, just seeing what they did, I was like, I'm going to go support Simon. I want more of this. I want them to know that this is work. This works. And this is what people want. I'm going to go support that. And then depending on how closely people follow uh, the Simon and the Song of Ice of Our community, um, they may not know that there was a lot of uh, information about organized play that was going to happen in 2020. And uh, none of it happened because of the pandemic. And so what it looks like, and I know I don't have any inside information on this, but uh, it looks like that just got delayed and they're sitting on it and they're waiting for things to open up to, to deploy um, they had made some video trailers of stuff they want to do with their app, et cetera, and have this big organized play system. It looks like they're just sitting on it and waiting for things to clear up. So I think this game is going to really bounce back hard when, when, uh, things do open up more regularly around the globe. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it's, 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 it's a good, it's a good, uh, game for, for competitiveness, right? The, the rule set's easy, but deep. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think I think lends itself to that competitive side of things. And, and one thing I do have to say, when we first time we ever talked about this game, I was very hesitant because it was coming from Cool Mini or not. And they at that point had just kind of squandered Wrath of Kings. But I've, I'm still shocked at and and pleasantly surprised at how well they've been treating a Song of Ice and Fire. I mean, just just the constant support. You know, making it better and and putting out Greyjoys and and new factions and stuff. It's it's more than I ever imagined they would actually do with it. So I mean, I'm I'm super stoked about how they've they've handled that. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a big reservation on both your and I's and Paul when we first started looking at this game. Um, but I agree. I mean, they've they've shown it a, a ton of love. Um, I mean, they continue going back and, you know, every now and then sprucing up and touching the the expand the, the factions that are already there. I mean, Starks 
are, are getting some new uh, Umber uh, stuff uh, coming out mm-hmm. here in the future. And they, so like they're not leaving these, you know, their older factions, you know, in the wind. They're showing them love. They're giving them stuff here and there, but, you know, not going crazy kind of like you would with the bigger companies and the bigger games. Like they're 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 making sure their skew doesn't get bloated in those factions and they're they're giving them the love when they need them. And I think that's a, a real good way to, to show the game the treatment that it deserves and the, the respect it deserves. Hundred percent. All right. So, and I think I, I think I know how Chase is going to answer this one. But once everything does open up and you start going to the game store regularly, Chase, do you see this game being one of your top three games? <laughs> top three games, a hundred percent. Are you kidding me? My goodness, sir! Would have loved that softball. <laughs> I feel like I have no further comment at this time. <laughs> Well then, I uh, then I guess that question's uh, uh, something Chops needs to answer because we all so, know how he is. Well, here's the here's the thing that will that may may be a surprise, right? Because like locally, I'm known as the community organizer for uh, Marvel Crisis Protocol. Uh, also, I've been a competitive Malifaux player in my past, and right, it's it's like I I, I wear my love for those games on my sleeve, but. You ask me if Song of Ice and Fire will be in my top three, uh, and I've been cagey about my top three, but I will not be cagey in a definitive statement that A Song of Ice and Fire is my number one game coming out of the Ooh. pandemic. Ooh, it wow. is the game I am looking forward to playing the most. It is the game I want to play the most. It is one of the only games that I played with my pandemic gaming partner, Aaron, through the pandemic, uh, and I, I have a huge amount of desire to play this game as much as possible coming out of lockdowns. So it, it's not just in my top three. It has a definitive number one spot. Wow. Did not expect. I mean, I expected it to be in your top three. Did not expect it to be your number one. Yeah, no, no, especially I'm getting I am getting like the my favorite fashion, <laughs> my, my like favorite You're characters right from the now. book. That comes out on Friday, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I have a, I have my pre do my pre orders. I'm just waiting for that shipping notification. I am all in, and like, as soon as those things hit, like, dude, my my hobby table is getting cleaned. I am like, all the paints are coming off, all the minis that are on it are coming off. Everything is coming, and and I will pull out the palette. I will start testing my my scenic basing. I will start painting these models. I am beyond ready to get my gray joys and start playing this game. When we come out of lockdowns, like there is nothing I want to play more than this game. That's awesome. I guess, I guess I have a little uh, follow up question there for you, Kevin. Will Mm -hmm. this be the first game you play when you can go back out? So that depends on scheduling, (laughs) right? If I can line up a game with uh, local legend, Brian Kerr, probably. Um, I will, uh, I will definitely, uh, try and get a game, but otherwise, you know, we do have a pretty large community here. At least we did before, uh, coming out. But the thing is like most of my closest wargaming friends play Malifaux. So it's very likely that my first game coming out of lockdown will be playing Malifaux. Um, but that doesn't mean that this isn't the game that is like in my heart. Number one, like I, it's not even a question, right? I've been waiting to answer this question since we started talking about this series. Okay. Um, because like I, I have known for months that this is my favorite war game. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm not surprised with the great joy release. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, and, and um, then think about, think about this, Paul, like we've known each other for a long time. And you think about the two book series that I've talked to you about the most, 
Like it's Song of Ice and Fire in the Expanse. Yeah, right? I, I just like, I just kind of uh, sat there thinking how would you would make an Expanse miniatures game and was kind of enjoying that thought. <laughs> <laughs> like those those two book series, like I you know I I have that story I tell where like. I had uh, a friend in high school, like in my junior year of high school, be like, have you seen this new fantasy novel that came out? It's like so different than anything I've ever read. And so like I read a Game of Thrones when I was 17. Yeah. And like it, I've just grown up with the books basically, right? Like they've sort of like – I feel like Metalcore and A Song of Ice and Fire define <laughs> my 20s. So, so <laughs> like it was like chasing medical records and waiting for George R. R. Martin to write a book. Like right. those were the things in my twenties that changed. I was most. Like, I think you're still chasing that job. So I, I think that's still happening right now. <laughs> that's both of those totally things. Totally fair. Totally fair. But yeah, like I, I just it, it's a perfect storm for me. Like. The, all the things we hit on earlier about why this game is great combined for my love with the subject matter um, and these brand new shiny miniatures that I'm like eagerly awaiting. It, it's just like it, it's a hype storm. You know what I mean? I yeah. can't contain it. I mean, at the yeah. very least, if you're so, listening yeah. to this and you haven't checked out A Song of Ice and Fire, just check it out. Like, that's all I ask. For sure. it's, you know, it's worth it. Getting getting down and doing a demo game of it, and and I think the game will will sell itself. Absolutely. If you and if you live in Madison, Wisconsin, you can ask me. I have uh, enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> how about how about you, Chris? Where's this game for you? Top five. Top five. All okay. right. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, the 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 problem is is that um, Infinity is my top game. Um, I mean, it's it's my love right now. Uh, Star Wars Legion is always going to be hot. Probably my number two. Two game. Um, I think right now this game would probably struggle between me wanting to jump back into foe and, mm. and, and trying to take that third spot. I think it's going to be depending on who wants a game and what kind of mood I'm in, whether it jumps to the top three or if it stays in the top five. Um, we've got a really good group here. We've got a, um, you know, we've got some strong players here. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back out and playing. Uh, we've got one of the best community organizers in the area that I've seen with, uh, with Mr. Britt Davis here and he pushes this game. Uh, he's been great with keeping it up to date. Uh, all of us up to date on information in our local Facebook group. So, um, I know we will have a community here coming out of it. So it all depends on whether, um, what nights I can go out and what people want to play. Uh, for me, and I just want more Renly models. Simon, you're listening. Please, <laughs> more Renly faction models. Honestly, it would be it would be hard for me to resist if like more Renly loyal models came out. I mean, we just got what three? Careful what you wish for, right? I was about to say, I was like, Stannis just got what three unit three units uh, announced. So Renly's yep. Renly's yeah. gonna get them. You know soon. they're gonna keep parity. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, they have to with that faction. The way that that faction is designed with the loyalties, they have to. I mean, because right now they are with everything that's been officially released. They're even, you know, because you've got the you've got the Rose Knights for Renly, you've got the the priests for uh, Stannis. So I mean, they're they're keeping things square and neat and fair now. So the Renly's going to come. I know. I just got to be patient. Just got to be patient. Go kill some Greyjoys in the meantime. Okay? I know, right? <laughs> what about you, Paul? Are you gonna you gonna dive back in? I I would like to. Uh, I'm my my thing right now is I I want to see how all the cards shake down and what rules changes happen. I just I just had that kind of beaten down experience and uh i i want to get back in and i do 
Like, I know where I will go uh, when that time comes. But um, like I said, I just want to see what changes are made. So, it, it's it's cautiously in there. It's pretty funny. When we saw it, like, it, when we saw the brand new models that all got pushed out, I was staying at a, at a cabin. And... It was just after they announced the Greyjoys were going to be delayed for another three weeks. And, like, I almost bought a whole mass of Targaryen models. Oh. I'm, I'm a little bit glad I didn't because uh, it would have just been, like, a bunch of boxes I haven't painted yet. Um, but, man, and, and I still look like I'm like, mm, I could get the uh, the hero box and the starter for 100 and then I can get the Mother of Dragons because I really I think I'll buy the Mother yeah. of Dragons box no matter what. I was like, That's just a cool model box. set. Yeah, even if I right because I, I just want to paint the three, you know, immature dragons. That's kind of like a thing I think that I, just as a hobby project I want in general. But then it's like, well, why not? <laughs> you know, why shouldn't I keep it? Right? Like, and, and just like buy a little bit more. Um, I just, I, I just imagined you as Bilbo with the ring. And why should I keep yeah, I was, it? I was, that's, that's definitely what I was alluding to. Yeah. Uh, and then just going in and buying the starter set too. Cause like, you know, I'm, in my, my like Wargamer brain that's rationalizing is like, it's only like 20 models. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Targaryen starter set's a much easier paint for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's much more, but anyway, army, yeah. yeah. That's so not true, though. I fell for that trap. Uh, you think it's a it's a much easier paint, and then it's like all horses and shirtless guys, and you're just like, this is so hard uh, to do. I know, and I, I every so it's funny, Chase. I had the starter set, like I said, I had the starter set and the hero box in my shopping cart, and and as I was clicking go, I remembered painting eight flayed men, and I was like, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> I remember how much of a pain in the ass it was to paint eight guys on horses. I am not about to do twelve. <laughs> I, I, I have I have four unfinished painted stag knights, so I feel you. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the stag knights is just like spray them silver and then no, go from man, there. There's all there's the so cloth, much armor. There's all the cloth barding. Oh, on the that's horses. true. There's a ton yeah, of cloth. Hard, you're man. right. You're right. Oh yeah, it's a it's there's more cloth on those models than there are armor. That's fair. That's fair. So, so spray them yellow. I guess. I mean, I did, but then I was like, oh, I don't like that yellow. It's too bright. I want to go with more of a muted yellow. And now here we are. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Anyway, guys, closing comments. Uh, I'm, I want to leave Chase for the end here. So Paul, closing comments on uh, a song of ice and fire. I I I really want to. I do. I just need. I just need the kick. I just need the kick. Need the kick. That's fair, Chris. Uh, season eight is the best season ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, tr- all, all trolling aside, uh, give it a try, guys. Uh, it's it's fun. Um, uh, if you've listened to any of our previous episodes on this show, you know that I was hesitant uh, because of Simon plus Rank and Flank. Uh, it is a skirmish game des- hidden as a Rank and Flank game. If so, if you enjoy skirmish games, give this a try. Play it. It's a ton of fun. Please do it. Make your own season eight. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. You can play the Targaryens better. There it is. Uh, so my, my final thought is like, if you've ever listened to my advice and, and my hype and, and been into something and tried something because I was really exuberant and able to, to convey the mechanics, I feel like this episode, we've done a good job of selling the merits of this game uh, and just seek out a demo. It is the like the example of modern wargaming uh and it's just worth your time yeah i'm just gonna throw it i mean i've been talking about this game since you know for for three years weekly uh i love it 
And, uh, you know, all I would ask is, you know, go get your shot and then give this a shot and, and then uh, and see what you think. Nice. Love it. There it is. It's fair. Fantastic. All right. So uh, thank you to all of our patrons for support. If you are interested in supporting us, go to three men or patreon.com slash three men in a war game. We have an amazing discord. Check the link in the description. Come join us there. Uh, thanks to Static as a City for the music at the top and bottom of the show. And Chase, why don't you plug yourself one more time? Yeah, Chase from On The Table Gaming. Come check us out on YouTube as well as our podcast, the On The Table Gaming Podcast. And uh, you know, thanks so much for having me on here. And I'm I'm eager to continue to hear your Aftermath series. So I'm excited to hear. Do we do we get a spoiler what's coming next week at all or no? Uh, um, you'll, have, you'll have to listen to all right i'll wait i'll be waiting i'll just keep refreshing <laughs> <laughs> i tried guys i tried to get something out of them <laughs> uh we'll say it's a game that's near and dear to all three all of us right. yeah yep so there's there's your hint <laughs> well you would have already heard it so yeah <laughs> this makes no sense in context no, no, no i'm thinking even beyond that right beyond that so they'll have oh, you'll, have, you'll have to oh, listen yeah. to it after the music on this one for your hint. That's true. Yep. Fair enough. Yep. All right. Send us off, chaps. Bye.